And I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I've struggled with the holiday season, not because of what it represents or bah humbug, Zach, or I don't like Christmas, but because over the past few years, if I'm being honest, I've watched Christians change who they are for the holiday seasons. We've, We've come from a belief of saying, uh, I, I remember five years ago, we, uh, it was about five years ago, I was sitting with a group of people and it spurred an argument because sometimes I don't have, um, my dad always told me, tact, is that what I, yeah, I lacked it, I, I lack it. It's been, a, <laughs> it's been a problem my whole life. Um, it's what, report cards and teachers, all that stuff. Um, but if I'm just being honest, I, I, was sitting, I was sitting with a group of people in the auditorium and he said, I just wish that the season of love or the Christmas feeling could be all year round. And with no tact or just no filter would be the right way. I just looked and I said, then just do it. I said, the problem is, is we want to talk and we want to feel good. But then when it comes to put into action, we don't. We forget. Well, life gets in the way. Well, isn't our life, don't we sing? Don't we read? Don't we study? Don't we listen about how Christ should be our life and everything we do should surround him and be surrounded by him and engulfed in him? Then just do it. Because if life is getting in the way, then you're saying you're leaving God alone and being distracted from him. So just do it. Find ways to do it. As I've prayed about this this series, it's going to be two weeks this week. um, Just bear with me um, because... I'm, I'm going to preach on identifying the, the three things that I think as believers in God, as Christians, during this season that we can do, uh, or that holds us back from sharing that feeling of Christmas 365 days a year, or 366 if it's a leap year. Thank you. Two laughs. So, so I'm at. What I want to do first is read why we celebrate Christmas. And and it's a little bit long, but we're going to dig into Luke chapter 1. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 2. And we're going to dig in verses 1 through 20. And I think it's so imperative. As I I read this, I I want to share a stat that propelled, 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 propelled (laughs) this this message kind of into high gear for me over the past probably month. In 2021, 83% of households that, that believe in God at some point in time on Christmas Day read the Christmas story. 83%. In two decades, that statistic has completely flipped. 17% of Christian households Don't even come near the Christmas story. Don't read it at any point in the day. There's other staggering statistics that say over half of Christian homes right now don't have a physical Bible or an app downloaded on their their phone. Therein lies the problem with me. How are we properly celebrating Christmas if we're making no attempt whatsoever to pay attention for the reason that we go to church, that we live our lives by a certain code or a decree, by who we worship, by the songs we sing, by the friends we keep, and the time we give. How can you properly do that all year round if all year round You're not doing anything to deepen your relationship with God or live it out on a daily basis. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever say to take time off from God. Anywhere. Nowhere. In fact, when you're tired, what does the Bible say? Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden. And who will give you rest? He will give you rest. Yet we run around searching for rest, searching for, you know, whatever it is that we're looking for, when in reality we come back home and, oh, this is where I should have been all along. We know this. 
So let's dig into the amazing Christmas story. It's, it's fun. I grew up with uh, the KJV Christmas story. Um, we're not going to read that uh, version. Um, we're going to look through Luke chapter one, uh, 2. That's why I keep on saying 2 or 1 because I'm looking at it. Uh, chapter 1. Uh, Luke chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus the whole empire, uh, that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while... Uh, that guy was governing in Syria. I literally spent all morning saying it right and couldn't figure it out. There we go. So everyone went to be registered, each, each to his own town. Joseph, uh, which is an easier name to say, also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee to Judea uh, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house of, uh, and family line of David to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Uh, then she gave birth to the firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room for, for them uh, available for them. Um, in that moment, I can tell you this. If, as, as, a, as a man, I've never given birth, um, but I've watched it. I, I've stayed shoulders up, um, but I can tell you this. There was a part of my son being born that was the most real moment in my life. I saw his, what is now gigantic head, um, his tiny head at that time come out into the doctor's hands. And I just looked and I was like, okay, everything's different. Now, if that's a human being born, can you imagine being Joseph in that moment? Saying, not only is this my son, this is the savior of the world. <sighs> do we keep that in perspective? Do we, do we dissect into that at all? That this son of the creator of all things gave up all things to be born around animals, a donkey, a cow, some chickens maybe. And it changed everything. Verse 8 says, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields, keeping watch, uh, uh, watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy uh, that will be for all people. We're going to touch on that in a second. Today, in the city of David, uh, a, a Savior was born, whom is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will be a baby wrapped tightly in, in clothes or wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying them in a manger. Uh, suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God, saying glory to God in the highest, uh, in the highest heaven and peace on earth uh, to the people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed, uh, amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard. Which, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray real quick. God, Lord, as we dive in to what you have prepared with us, not just today, but tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and next Sunday, God, I pray that we will take an introspective look at our hearts, at our minds. We, we will kind of have tunnel vision for the next however long you uh, lay on my heart. That's not the whole day <laughs> to, to speak, God. And I pray that we will look at ourselves and we will see what we need to give more, what we need to change, what we need to sacrifice, what we need to ask for forgiveness for. God, I pray that you will season my words with grace and love, uh, but to speak the truth. God, I love you. Thank you for everything you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I see, I see, a, chur I see a church today, today's day and age, that has more tools, more ability to reach the lost than any, any, any generation before. We have 15 different, uh, different social media outlets. We have word of mouth. We have 
quite frankly, we have free speech being talked about more than any other time, I believe, in, in the history of this country. Why, do, why are we as Christians faltering all year round? Why are we as Christians struggling? I don't believe, if I'm being honest, it's because of our intentions. I believe it's how we live out our intentions. I grew up over the years loving Christmas. Uh, I remember driving around in the old school uh, station wagon, um, sitting in the way back seat because my sisters were annoying to sit next to. And, uh, and we would put the cassette tape of For Him Christmas in, and I would just sing as loud as I could you know, to the, to the Christmas uh, medley that they had. I loved it. And it's not that I'm a skeptic. It's not that I, I, I don't love being around people. If you're around me for five seconds, you know that you're going to be around me for an hour because I just don't shut up. <laughs> Something I identified in like third grade in my fifth trip to the principal's office. Um, but I look at how the church has changed. I love what I do. The last two years of ministry have been incredible. We, uh, a, a credible learning experience for me. I've been able to, at New Life, uh, be blessed to become um, kind of a, a, a pastor that gets to organize <laughs> and see things come to fruition. And it's, it's given me a whole different perspective on ministry, if I'm just being honest. It, being able to see um, other people struggle with a Christmas set, you know, it's great. It's fun to just be like, it's not just me. And I see glimpses of greatness, new life. I see glimpses of ability to change the world. And our pastor has spent the last five, six weeks on missions and local missions. And it strikes a chord because I look and I say what God has laid on my heart is right across the bridge. There's nothing being offered over there. 32,000 people, 685 people in West Springfield, and there's, there's nothing. Nobody's reaching out. I look at this and I say, what are the main issues? What are the, what are the, the three things we can identify? And today it's going to be identifying what I believe is a problem, and, and I've always been taught that you don't talk about problems without solutions, and next week will be the solutions. I, I can promise you this, it's not, the solutions are nothing groundbreaking. I'm not, uh, uh, no preacher should ever get up trying to rewrite the Bible. What I'm trying to simply look at is reminders on what we're commanded and expected as Christians. And let me remind you of this, salvation in Christianity is a free will voluntary thing that you participated in. Just because you participated in it and you're a volunteer <laughs> and you've given your heart to God doesn't mean there's a standard. God has set a standard. God gives us standards in which we need to live by. Now, I think if we as Christians live our lives more towards those standards and less, and, and less about our standards and what we think it should be about, we'd be more productive in our individual Christian lives than being able to share more brightly. It, this message today hits home with me. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, it's a bit nervous because some of the things I've typed out um, are tough, are tough to talk about because I've had to look at my own life. I've had to look at um, my walk, how I am, and say, do I need to readjust? So off we go. My first, my first thing, my first point that I would say is this. When I look at the Christian, the, the Christian church, the modern day local church, I believe this. I believe there are aspects of our church that we have left our first love. I grew up in ministry here and my dad preached all the time. When we first moved back and the philosophy of the church started to change and shift to um, a newer, progressive, more, more type of, you know, the band and, you know, the lights and all this. Revelation 2.4 was something that he preached on uh, for two years. 
Our intentions need to do, be this. And, and before we dig into verse four, I want to look at verse three, because verse three is a powerful verse, and it's encouragement from John, uh, from, or from the word of the Lord. He says, I know that you have persevered and endured hardships for the, sa- for the sake of my name, and you have not grown weary. That's important to identify that God realizes we have sacrificed with what he's about to say. You give of your life. You take out of your finances, you take out of your time, you, you sacrifice uh, of, you know, of your, whatever it is, your specialty is that God has gifted you with, your cooking. He's right there, so he makes amazing food. Amen. <laughs> I'll tell you more about it in a second, because I've worked him into my message, so, um, in a good way. Um, just so you know, I'm sorry, thank you. <laughs> But verse four then says, but I have this against you. You have left your first love. Now, what does that mean? What does that look like, Christian? What that simply means is this. I have no problem with the presence under the tree. I have no problem with decorating a tree. I have no problem with the the Christmas shopping and the season of perpetual hope, as the mother in Home Alone said. Uh, I have no problem with the family time. I have no problem with, uh, you know, the food and, and, and paying attention to it. But is it kept in proper perspective, Christians? I've seen more Christians spend all year round. I've talked, to, I've talked to three people that say they spend all year shopping for Christmas. All year shopping for Christmas, yet they've never once throughout the year shared their faith. You've put more value on gifts that, let's be honest, in five years is going to be probably be irrelevant in your life, unless it's a car, Drew's driving, um, and it's like six months. Um, but but that it, then we put on people's eternal souls. Now, our intentions are great. Our fo- uh, Man, I, I read my Bible. I pray. I, I, but do you live out your faith? Do you live out the hope that Jesus Christ has given you? Everything that we do is catered around not giving this awesome iPad. Here, this is a present. It's saying, hey, listen, I'm giving you this. Do you know why we give presents or why, you know, the perspective Christian has on presents? The gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, laying it at the feet of Jesus. Why we celebrate that? Because it's supposed to be all-encompassing to the birth of Jesus. And the birth of Jesus does what? He gave of himself so that he could spend 33 years here on earth to die on a cross for our sins. Not, oh, it's Christmas Eve. This is an indictment on me. It's Christmas Eve and I haven't done any shopping yet. And, <laughs> and I have to now go rush around. And I have to go find that perfect present. I, I, I tell you this, I got more personal messages, text messages and Facebook messages about a post I put up a couple weeks ago about fathers that, that we don't need presents. Says when you get mad at us for asking and we say we don't need anything, it's being honest, we don't need anything. I, my, I, I had a conversation with a couple people at work and I said, to be honest, let's find some middle ground, husbands and wives. <laughs> How about you don't ask me for a present and I thoroughly love the fact that you surprised me and thought of me and put thought and time into getting me something that you thought I would enjoy. There's some even ground. I can tell you, I, I've got a man in here who raised me and many other people who have known me for a long time. I, 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 w- I was and still can be at times in my life very, very selfish. But the minute, my, the minute I said I do, and the minute my, uh, my wife gave birth to our son, all that changed for me. I had, a, <laughs> I had a good role model. I had a man who, in 20 degree below zero weather, walked home and went into the ATM vestibules to stay warm so that we had enough gas to get to church the next day because it was either between driving to work or driving to church. I believe our intentions are right, church. I believe we, we pray about music. We pray about the messages that are being preached. We pray about Sundays. We, we enjoy our fellowship. 
I just believe intentions at times can be a bit skewed. For instance, the statistic I threw out, is there any more appalling need to change that than now? 83% of households don't even come near their Bible on Christmas Day. It's not a time to look and say, oh, well, I can, I can tell you the three families that I think don't. It's time to look and say, why do I read my Bible on Christmas Day? Why do I share it? Not because of tradition. <laughs> this, this Bible that, that I study, that I look at, is the reason that is one of the reasons it digs deeper, deeper into my faith so that I can follow God's call in my life that much more. I can be confident in the steps that I take more and more. Too many times in, in, in churches, we, we try to jump headfirst into things, right? We see an opportunity. I love this new, me and my dad both, I think we can identify on this. We, we see eye to eye on quite a bit that sign language is really cool, but it's not a ministry for us. <laughs> you know, I can't do that stuff. I'm not, it's like trying to speak Spanish. I know like, I know Feliz Navidad, Donde Esta La Biblioteca, and Donde Esta La Taco Bell. That's, that's, the extent of, that's the extent of my Spanish. And I can see that I probably even pronounced some of it wrong. <laughs> I know and I'm confident enough that at New Life Church, I am not intended to be a part of everything. It's not my calling to be a part of every single thing going on at New Life. You know what's crazy? It's not even our pastor's responsibility to be involved in everything. It's not yours, it's not yours, it's not yours, it's not yours, it's not yours. Although you, you guys can stay as long as you want, by the way. Thank you, Leanne, for playing piano with us today. Can somebody lock the door so they can't leave? I'm just saying. <laughs> But let me say this, when you try to do too much, when you try to jump headfirst into everything, you end up, if I'm being honest now, I can attest to this, you end up doing more harm than good. It's time to look at ourselves and say, why do I have to know everything? Why do I have to be a part of everything? Why do I have to hear everything? Why do I have to see everything? Show me where God assigned his disciples to do everything. Were the disciples at the well when the woman came up and Jesus led her to Christ? Why not? Because it wasn't his intention to have them a part of that. You're not called, and it's dangerous to think that you should or you're entitled to be a part of it. God has called other people to be specialists in that area. I promise you this. My specialty in life is talking. I, I, and, and as much as people laugh and know that, I love it. it, it one of my favorite things to do uh, recently over the past, what, year and a half is being able to do two years almost is be able to go with Drew um, to his in-home five-course dinner, amazing food nights. He asked me to help him one night and I served And the first night. I was super nervous because I knew I talk a lot. So I was like, I just, people are paying a lot of money for this stuff. So I'm not going to engage. And then I, I started after the dinner was over, I started talking with people. You know where I know where my specialty is and where my specialty is not. When I watch this man do what he loves to do, do what God has created him to do in this world to draw people to him with such stinking joy. <laughs> First of all, it's easy. It's, it's just as easy for him to create these five course dinners. I mean, he's got this 
mung fish wrapped in prosciutto thing. I'm pretty sure. I don't even know if that's the right name to call it. I call it, that's what manna from heaven was. And I pray that he over like made some of the food so that after we served it, there was some left over so we could eat it. And there always is, um, which I respect and appreciate. But then I look at, I look at others and what they do. I look at I look at how Cliff and Sue talk about how they've been driving school buses since they were horse and buggies, and and <laughs> um, I can run faster than both of them, so I can say that. Uh, I, I I honestly with with my my dad and and my SMS working in a school system, I it, it not only rejuvenated I believe them and their souls to their very core, and ultimately made some connections and changed the course of others' lives. But I remember it refreshed me because I grew up with my dad working with teenagers. And I, I was like, oh, man, it's so, th these words are difficult because sometimes we look at teenagers and it's not easy for us. It's so easy for him. Now, when does ministry, if I'm being honest with you, when does serving God become difficult? Not when we're told we can't read our Bibles at school or at work or whatever. That's a fun obstacle of free speech. <laughs> when we get in the way of what God has called us to do. If I ask Drew, well, he probably could be a great sales rep, so I'll use somebody else as an example. Um, I don't know. There's nobody in here that I can pick on. Pete, Pete, you work with food too. Do you like selling stuff? No, the general human population? No, okay, let's do this. If I pulled Pete out of the kitchen and brought him over to Xfinity, or Apple as I just made an amazing friend, or Mary, Mary's shaking her head, so we'll go with that one too, and said, I'm gonna pull you out of what you, God has uh, called you to do because you're in my life, so now you have to be a part of my everyday life, what would happen? Not only would Xfinity and that job suffer, but her other job would suffer. So when God has called you to do something specific and you step outside of that specific circle and start doing what you have called yourself to do, this suffers. And you know what happens when you get suffer when that suffers? People die and go to hell. And to me, that's the bottom line. That is the 100% bottom line of everything. If what I do, I, I love every time you walk through the doors, Risa, I love it. Because I annoyed the junk out of you for two hours. And in the last 45 minutes of, uh, of standing in the middle of my sales floor at Comcast and then at Register 9, you talked about your need for a church. And, you're, uh, uh, and you showed up. I love that. That's the bottom line of my job. Yes, it supplies for my family. Yes, the, the selling part is easy because all I have to do is talk. But if I don't use that to, to enhance the kingdom of God, if I don't look at my life and say, <laughs> while I'm here, I can do the best for God that I can do, then I'm missing a point. I'm missing a bigger picture. It's taken me, I promise you this, it's taken me a long time to get there, to realize that. A, lo a long time. <laughs> We've left our first love. Look at your intentions for doing things. Let me ask you this. If you, if you haven't left your first love or you're sitting there saying, no, it's not me, do you allow other people within new life to dictate your attendance and output for Jesus Christ at New Life. Oh, well, that person didn't treat me right, or that person didn't shake my hand. That person didn't say hi to me. So, pastor, I know he had a sermon, but he was trying to focus on it, but he didn't come up and talk to me before service. I'm offended. Did God call us to base our Christianity off other people? No, he called us to work together, but he didn't call us to separate ourselves, and that's what we're doing. When we've left our first love, we're, we're taking the holiday. I, I mean, is there any better gift than Jesus Christ? 
It changes the scope of everything we do. It changes the scope of everything we look at. I, I watched, I've showed our teenagers The Hobbit, The Lord of the Rings. I, I, if you don't know, know me, I love little people. I, I'm not allowed to say the M word um, because Aylan will throw a shoe at me. Um, but, um, but little people. I got to name a series that I did on The Hobbit called Little People in a Big World. <laughs> Feeling little in a big world. Now, for some of you, that's an everyday thing, but, um, but, but, but let me say this. Do you not serve God because you feel that when you do, your efforts ring shallow? Let me be honest with you. Not everybody's called to be a Stephen Furtick. Not everybody, thank God, is called to be a Joel Olstein. Not everybody is called to be Brian Houston. Not everybody's called to be Andy Stanley, Judah Smith, Carl Lentz, Brian, uh, uh, Brian Houston. Not everybody's called to be Elevation Worship, Hillsong, Vertical Worship, Bethel. So stop acting like we have to achieve it. Look at East Long Meadow, Massachusetts, and say there's 16,000 people out there. Are they all in here hearing the word of God? There's three churches within four mi five miles of each other. Do they house every single person in East Long Meadow? No. So instead of trying to be like, why don't we be what God has called us to be? It's as simple as that. He hasn't called us to be any less than what he has created you to be. Plain and Plain and simple. The other big thing, the, the, the biggest issue and where we're going to spend a decent amount of time on is point two. I believe by large in part, the Christian church has become individualistic. And I want to share a phrase with you that came to me. I, I sent a podcast to our pastor um, uh, um, from Judah Smith, I believe it was. And he spoke to this idea, Christians being individualistic and God's grace and God's mercy. And it crossed my mind. Are you as a Christian living with intention or living for attention? And those are two very different things. I'll be honest. Sometimes if our intention, intention is correct, it will bring attention. But when put properly, it will bring attention to what? What does the Bible say? If he is lifted up, if attention is brought to him, what does it say? All people will be drawn to him, right? All people will see the light. How many times in our lives, Christians, do we try and say, well, I do this and I sacrifice this or I gave of my time to help this? For what purpose? Let's bring it back to our ministry. This deaf ministry, I love this deaf ministry. I love, I grew up in churches where they did the sign language and they did, uh, my, my uh, mom uh, grew up doing, or knows sign language, and I don't know why I keep doing that, but um, does sign language and stuff. But I, I look at the opportunity we have with this ministry. It's not just sign language. It's not just deaf people. And it's not just Spanish people. <laughs> So we have, as we've talked about, we have somebody that's translating English to Spanish into sign language. But then there are times where there's somebody that's deaf is having the sign language done on their hands. That's an amazing opportunity. What we have to protect in that ministry is pushing our will, our vision, our desire over what God has for it. The idea of the church that I see is what's the latest and greatest and how do we implement it next week? If we don't implement something next week, then God's not going to bless it. And in doing so, we actually cut out God because we're spitting our ideas instead of saying, hey guys, we have this awesome, amazing opportunity. Let's spend some time in prayer let God give us directions, let things happen and let it flow through him. And then we'll take our direction because listen, when you give it to God, sometimes the answer is immediate. Uh, the, the, the ability to be able to find right away sometimes is there, 
but sometimes it's slow and methodical and there's pieces that have to fall into place. Drew, I think, is going to end up owning every restaurant in the entire world. This is where I had worked Drew into. And if anybody doesn't like his food, then they need Jesus. Um, but let me, I, I had sticky ribs and I don't, I don't know what the other pizza was other than the pepperoni one, but holy cow, you put arugula on it. Oh my goodness. It was unreal. Um, but I don't know, but I know we should try it sometime, Aaron. Um, but, but I look and I say, does, does Jackalope coming to you at a restaurant downtown, uh, near you happen overnight or is it steps? It's a process, right? You can't just say, sign the lease, let's open up. Then why do we as Christians think that opportunities God presents us have to be dove headfirst into without any sort of contemplation or prayer? That's one of the things I love about our pastor, who, if you don't know, is my father. My whole life, and he tells the story of how his father would stand in the middle of a grocery store and pray whether to buy apple or blueberry pie. I can tell you that that same thing rang true in my life. And looking back on it, seeing God's hand and blessing over that, oh, we decided to go with the blueberry pie instead of apple pie. I don't know if you like blueberry. Oh, I'm actually allergic to apple pie or apples. So if I ate that, I wouldn't be able to stay and have the conversation about Jesus Christ that I just had with you. See how God works that way when you include him in everything? So when we say, oh man, you pray over what type of pie to buy or you pray over you know, what to go shopping for, or to go to Big Y or Stop and Shop, do you know there's a reason for it? To walk into Stop and Shop and say, hey, while I'm going down the aisle, somebody in front of me may say, hey, I don't know who you are, but I just want to pay for your food. Or walk in a big Y and say, oh man, our money's tight for the next two weeks. God, can you please bless us with some big sales? And it's buy two, get two free for Cheez-Its. The big ones, not the small ones, because the big ones are better. And the bottom of the bag is always more salty, which is amazing. Risa knows. See, there's a reason for everything. God knows your needs. He just wants you to be, he just wants to be included. How many times do you exclude and then go back and blame God, and all you do is complain, all you do is uh, bicker, all you do is argue, all you do is get offended, all you do is walk away from the church, all you do is walk away from relationships with people because you didn't include the one that needed to be included. It baffles people. It absolutely baffles people that uh, last week it was eight years from me and Tiff's first date, and up today that we never have had a blowout argument. And most people are like, but you're Zach. How is she? Not, how have you not? Because my prayer was, I can, this sounds so bad, so I'm sorry. I'm, I can be so rude and sarcastic to others, but I don't want to do that to her. Now, there are times where we're snippy with each other and, you know, we, but we check each other. Now, that's baffling to me <laughs> because arguing is, is another spiritual gift I have. <laughs> But I realize that my marriage, just like my relationship with God, is not about an individual. Compromise, love, respect, cherish. I cherish my wife. I want to thank you guys so much for the prayers. This past week, she had a big sign. She went on Facebook Live and relived the whole thing. So if you didn't see it, I'll walk you through it. Um, she, she had um, this big sign that we got on her wedding day that says Chase is on it, fall on her head and split her head open right here. And she got five staples. Um, I, I worry about that. I freak out about that. My whole life, all I've known is uh, been taught is you are, you are your family's protector. That's, I, I've seen that many, many times with, with my dad growing up and other men of God uh, raising their families growing up. I felt, I felt that if I'm, if I, and I'm not trying to make this about me, but if I'm being honest with you, I felt guilty that that happened to my wife because I'm, I'm her protector. I don't want anything to happen to her. I'd rather, I'd rather people line up, get a running start and hit me with that 50 times before it ever fall in her head. It irritated me that I was getting screamed at by another human being and, and couldn't hear my, my phone going off, so I couldn't answer my wife's phone call. There's Christians, our lives are not about us. And I use that example to say this, 
How many times do you see another Christian in pain? And instead of empathizing or sympathizing, all you do is talk about yourself. All you do is detract from their hurt and their pain and try and turn it around and make it about you. We've become individualistic. We stopped caring about others. We've cared, listen, we have some great, amazing talent in this church. We, we have uh, people that can build things. We have people that can sing. We have people that can teach. We have people that can preach. And they do so in this building. What does it gain the world if we stay here? <laughs> if that stays in here? If all we're doing in here is building, singing, preaching, teaching, sacrificing, volunteering, for notoriety for us. Intention versus attention. Mark 5, last time I preached, I, I spoke on Jesus raising the dead girl from life uh, to life. Intention versus attention to me is spoken in Mark 5 so perfectly because he had to ask people to leave the room, right? Had he not asked people to leave the room, I think it would have been closer to how modern day Christians are today. And this is where I struggle. They didn't want to be in a room to see something miraculous that could have changed the world. They wanted to be in a room so that they could say they were in the room. You want to know everything, be a part of everything and, and do everything simply to say you are not to change the world. It doesn't matter how amazing our programs and lights and, and youth ministry and kids ministry is if it's to build us up within a hundred people that already know Jesus as their personal Lord and savior, we're missing the point, the individualisticness, which is a word has overtaken and and, and jaded us to, to the point to where we've lost vision for other people. Instead of walking side by side with the hurting, we're doing our best to get out and say, look who's walking behind me. <laughs> I'll repeat this. People are dying and going to hell. Because of that. We've lost opportunities. It, it, it was, it was, if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm going to speak bold here, so... Just please keep it in context. Ben and Amber John and Lincoln and Orion, um, they, everything was uh, cleared out of their house Friday. Um, they're, they're gone uh, up to Minnesota. Um, you pray for them. Ben got some crazy news that if he was able to find it, it they, they moved so rapidly because he was deployed up to Wisconsin. They found, <laughs> he found out that if he gets a job, he, his mission can just be over and he can leave. So there was some frustration there, but you pray for peace. They're away from their family. They're gonna, there's a chance that we can pray. There's a chance they can see each other on Christmas, which is awesome. You know what was cool? And I'll say this, what's cool over the past five years in seeing people leave, when they left, they want to stay a part of our ministry. <laughs> we have a guy who, run, who, who does graphics and social media and stuff like that. He wants to stay a part of it. He wants to help. That's awesome. It's amazing. Not for notoriety. That man, ben has never asked once to have his name tagged on Instagram. He does it because it's a passion of his and he knows that it's making a difference. It's reaching people. We look at our intentions. We don't have to be in the room to know that a miracle is happening to then go and change the world with that miracle. <laughs> it, it's, it's crazy. It, it, it's, it's exciting. Uh, we look at Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine, starting nine, uh, verse nine. It says, two are better than one. And I imagine three are better than two and four are better than three. If you know the progression of counting, you can do that in your head. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if, the, for if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. You want to know why, Christian, 
your individualistic ministry that you can't get anybody to follow falls flat on its face because you're standing alone with nobody to help you. Maybe Maybe you're standing alone because you think you know it all. I personally, I don't want to know it all. I, 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 I keep on bringing Drew up. I want to be able to sit down at Highbrow or Jackalope or White Lion or when you buy out the Chili's franchise and rename it to Highbrow McDermott, whatever. I want to be able to sit down and enjoy the food that I have no stinking clue how to cook. We went to a wedding one night and he had a bunch of pizzas and a bunch of prep work going on. And he looked at me and I was like, so we have an hour. What would you like me to do? <laughs> the look in his face, he's like, oh, you can't, no, can't do that. Can't do it. Just fill the salt shakers. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it. I, I was the best salt shake filler there was. <laughs> Nobody ran out of salt all night. No, I, I don't have to know how to do it all. I don't, my, my cousin, Jeremy, this dude, it puts up windows and all like glass and I, it's crazy the stuff that he can do. You know what I tell him when when he's going to start replacing some of our windows? I'll throw stuff away for you. I don't have to know how to do this. I don't need to know. God has called me to do something else. I'll throw away all that old wood better than anybody you've ever seen throw stuff away in your life because I have the opportunity to do it for the kingdom of God but I don't have to push my way in and find a way to have to be a part of that and do that because I I am not what matters in that moment. Quite frankly, Zach Chase matters very little in the scheme of the, the eternity of this world. But what I can do is be called to the eternity in heaven to, be, to make a difference. I was asked, and, and it's, it, I was asked what, it, when we go to plant Safe House, what I want my legacy to be here at New Life. And it, it caught me off guard. I was like, I don't know, you know, milk chug, all-nighters, food fear factor, you know, amazing singer that would win the voice, but he's undiscovered. I looked and I said, you know, I don't need a legacy. I don't need to be remembered. If somebody walks down the mall and sees me at Lids buying a 55,000th hat and says, oh, that guy was speaking the day I got saved, that's great. I've got teens over 19 years that are all over the world. I've got Peter Jones, Pegleg Pete, we called him because he was just a goon. He's in Okinawa right now sent me a Facebook message, was like, oh man, I want to show you my three kids, which is surprising enough as it is, singing in my church. It's not about me. It's about me surrendering to God, saying, here I am. I don't, I can talk, God. I can sell anything. Resume builder for Apple. I can, can you, if I give that to you, God, can you build your kingdom with it? Five years from Brazil to here, is that what you guys just celebrated? I don't have much, God. I'm coming over here to better my family, better opportunity. But can you use where I'm going? to further the gospel and and eternity. I can't speak the language, although you just did that this past week. That was awesome. But this is what I have. And in a scope of humanity, it may not seem, but a drop in the bucket of water that is this time. But will you use it to create a ripple effect that changes Heaven and earth changes lives, encourages. I, I think I've proven over 18 years that if you put an instrument in my hand, 
it's bad stuff is going to sound, it's going to be terrible. God, I may not have the best voice, but it's what's needed at the time. Can you start something if I surrender to you and just create something that's sustainable without me because it doesn't need to be about me? I, I'll be honest, I've learned, I've learned more by being able to watch worship after 17, 18 years of, of leading it. And I'm passionate. I, I promise you, when I stepped off the stage and got into social media at the beginning of COVID, I didn't listen to music for six months. I'll be honest, it came at a time to where once I stepped back from it, I realized I was burnt out on it. That it was, it was the most stressful ministry I, was, I had been running for 15 years, 18 years, whatever it was. When I stepped back, I looked and was like, thank you, God. Thank you for keeping me at New Life. Thank you for keeping me in East Song Meadow. Thank you for sustaining me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to lead. I may not have the best voice, but God gave me the ability to lead worship. Teens, I, that is my wheelhouse. I love dealing with teens. They are, you can, you can talk to them however you want. You can have fun with them. You can eat, make them eat gross things. You can make your volunteers hide when they don't want to hide. It's awesome. And then she can fool everybody and win the game. And that was amazing. But man, you, I can do all that. I can, I can give a teen a gallon of milk and say, I'll give you a hundred bucks to chug a gallon of milk and then sit down for 10 minutes and listen to the word of God. But if I'm doing it for me to have them go and say, you got to come see my youth pastor. No. Can I be honest with you? You know why I show and talk to the pastor about showing Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit or Harry Potter or Spider-Man or, or any of the things I do? Because those are real-time connections with teenagers to connect them, then to be able to turn around and connect it with the word of God. It's clean. It's safe. And it can be kept in the right perspective. I love it. You know why at times I stay up all night with teenagers and have all-nighters and go play manhunt out in the golf course or have water balloon fights in the middle of the day? Because that fun gives them a connection point here and they'll give me 15 minutes of their time to open up the word of God. I love it. Two are better than one. I can't do it on my own church. You can't do it on your own. And more specifically, you weren't meant to do it on your own. Let me say that again for those that need to hear it and have it penetrate their soul. You weren't meant, two things, to do it on your own and do it all. The line, <laughs> the line you need to draw for yourself is, God, when do things start to be terrible? <laughs> when I'm trying to do too much? Or where do things start to glorify you, God, more? When does, my, uh, when does the attention start to overtake my intention? We need to evaluate that. We need to want to be in a room to see lives change. We, want, we, we, should, we should want to see the world be turned upside down for God. Not for New Life's brand. <laughs> Lastly, and most importantly, the gift of God gave us a great commission. I believe we have overcomplicated the great commission. What does the Bible, what does the great commission say? What is the first word in any translation I checked? Boom. Didn't even have to finish the question. He already knew. It's like-minded right there. That's what that was. Go, right? And how come all we do, or at times, let me rephrase that. How can we put such an emphasis on doing instead of going? Oh, if I just, if I just do, do this one more thing, if we just have this one more thing going, if we just have this one more, uh, if we just do this one thing, well, what good is it going to do if, if nobody, if we're not inviting anybody to come and see it. Well, the people that do show up will realize the hard work that I've put in. You're called to go and work hard, not do and do hard. 
Go into all nations. Our pastors talked about it for the last five to six weeks, local missions. We as a church worry so much about having the best programs or, or the best this. Uh, I'm not going to lie. You want me to be completely transparent? There were times where I got so into the social media that we had to have the best. Oh, man, look at what this church is doing. How can we better this? Oh, this church turned their live feed on for 15 minutes. It was just a blank stage. <laughs> Nobody was there. No music, no nothing. I was like, oh, we can't do that. Yeah, when you go back and look, 750 people were reached on that live feed. I don't have to look. I, I don't, I don't, you know, I've, we've spent time at times looking at some of these bigger churches and what they do and, and, and how they talk. And at the height of our COVID, uh, COVID live streaming services, we were reaching 1,700 people. That's a ton for, for, for us. And a lot. How many services is that? Do the math real quick. Goodwill hunting that. I'll come back. That's a lot of services. Even, I mean, if we have three pastors that can preach, 1,700 people at New Life, that's, that's a, you're preaching seven services, I'm preaching four, I'm high maintenance, so, and our pastor's preaching six only because he's got a bad hip. Can't stand that long. We were able to reach 1,700 people with a camera and an internet source. Did I get ahead of myself at times? Absolutely, I did. Jonathan, oh, Ben, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan, we got to, what, what about this idea? And there were times where, honestly, we, we went back and forth all the time at, uh, for things in good positive way to talk and say, oh, well, let's try this or let's try this or let's try this. And then one day we looked at each other and we were just like, <laughs> what if we just keep it simple? <laughs> what if we just turn on a camera, say hello, Say hi to whoever's staying home. It was easier for me during COVID because when our church went through that hit, I didn't feel anything. I was running daily. <laughs> Drew was having trouble getting up from, didn't you bring like your bed down to the living room and just stay there? Yeah, that was, I had no problem with the stairs. I was fine, but, um, but, when we kept it simple, we sustained. <laughs> Imagine that. When you try to overcomplicate things at your job, at your restaurant, and uh, Lewis does offers for like, he runs a whole like water meter thing and all this stuff, it's complicated, I, I, I don't know. Um, but he has to put proposals together. If you keep it simple sometimes, isn't it easier? <laughs> when you try to do it all at once and overthink it, it makes it difficult. Raising twins that climb stinking Mount Everest by themselves now. It's crazy. It's nuts. Sometimes you just have to let them. When you try to do too much, it overcomplicates it, right? Sometimes it's easier for them to create the mess and clean it up after them than follow. I know twin 10-year-olds create quite the mess. I've been in their room before. <laughs> Sometimes just let it be. They'll get annoyed with it eventually and start to push stuff under the bed or shove stuff in the dresser drawers or whatever. It's what we do as, as guys. Then let's translate that to our Christian life. New life, we don't have 300 volunteers to fill all of our ministries. We just don't. It would be great. <laughs> but we don't. So let's not over, try and overcomplicate it. Let's just simply say, what can we do right now, as our pastors preached, to go? What keeps it simple enough for us to be able to go and preach the gospel? What keeps it simple enough for us to go and live our faith functionally? That's a big word that churches need to hear, right? Functionally. Churches fail because they function within dysfunction. Because we want the notoriety, we want... We want the attention. We want the, perp we want the adulation. We want the attaboy. Why? When God has promised us greater things in heaven, great is your reward that you may never see until you die. That's a grim thought, but to me it brings me joy, brings me hope, which is the reason for the season.
And if the reason for the season stays in us, in our hearts, in our minds, then we don't have to worry about it just lasting in December. We're going to be a group of a body, a local body of believers that 365 slash 66 days a year does whatever they can for the kingdom of God. Houses the FBI and a DEA and the ATF and the sheriff. There is no greater. Okay, I'm a youth pastor, so I can talk about pooping, all right? There is no more easy way to poop in the morning than to look out your window and see a bunch of men loading, <laughs> loading rifles, putting on bulletproof vests, and pulling uh, battering rams <laughs> out of a truck. This past week, <laughs> I, lo I looked out the window and I was like, Dad! My first reaction was, it wasn't me, but <laughs> if it is, <laughs> if it is, just know that I love you. <laughs> Please refill my food account in jail. <laughs> I'm going to need some friends. But I was like, uh, there, <laughs> there's a bunch of uh, officers just sitting in our church parking lot. I do not want to be the first one to go talk to them. If you know me, you know why. <laughs> So he drove over and he calls me. He goes, yep, this is, uh, this is crazy. Do you know, we get, he, our pastor unlocked the door for them and they got to come in and hang out. My curiosity, I had to walk by him and see who it was. It scared the crap out of me when they asked for my ID. But, um, <laughs> but we got to house them for two weeks or two days. Two weeks, I'd be crying. Two days. They left us a nice note. Thanks for, thanks for the hospitality. <laughs> Signed DEA. <laughs> that's a seed that's planted. Is that us going? Yes. We got to do something cool. By New Life Church sustaining this property, we planted a seed for a bunch of people that we want on our side at times. <laughs> It's the small things. It's the faithful things. It's as simple as unlocking a door. How many doors do you unlock? Let's build that metaphor as we close. How many doors do you unlock? How many lives have you, have you, have you begin to work on? How simple, and let's break it down to self, since we need to look at ourselves Christians, how many times or how complicated is your life? Do you need to simplify, not for yourself, but for Jesus Christ to be able to work through you and shine through you? What limits do you need to self-impose? What we need to, our frame of mind needs to be this, living intentionally, living on purpose. I heard this amazing quote, and it stuck with me for nine and a half years. If you're not living on purpose, you're going to waste it on accident. And then let's bring it to the word of God. If you're wasting it on accident, people are going to die and go to hell. People are going to die and go to hell. Uncomplicate your life. If it's too complicated and you need help, let us know. If I can say one thing about New Life, we're a giving, giving church. We will give of ourselves in any way, shape, or form. We're led by a man who's falling apart <laughs> physically, probably mentally at this point but just keeps taking people in. And, and, and let me say this, it's been our whole, my whole life, my 38 years of existence. I've, it's just been a pattern. Oh, you're trouble? What can, come on, just, just sh shut your mouth. Just come stay with us. <laughs> what can you do to simplify to uncomplicate. <laughs> you just complicate things. Um, 
Aaron's like, me, me. I'm like, you complicate things. <laughs> what can you do to draw closer to God? I hope you guys come back next, uh, next week. We have, I, I'm going to have three simple solutions for you. Three simple solutions to work on self so that self can be God-centered. So that it's not about us, but us is valuable to the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Dear God, Lord, I thank you so much for everything that you do. God, I pray I pray for those that just need you to intercede. God, some of us honestly need you to just give us a right cross to the gin. We, we need to be, we need to have ourselves knocked out of us so that we can be filled more with you. God, I pray that we will, we will spend this week surrendering. We will spend this week caring We will spend this week giving, hoping, dreaming of making eternal differences for you, not for self-glorification, God, but to empty us out, (laughs) filled with you, lifted high, being a city on a hill that can't be hid, shining a light for you, God, shining your light, you being that light, drawing all people to you. God, we know that standing here, discouragement, distractions, hurt, anger, pain, self-doubt, self-deprecation is all going to be relevant at some point because Satan is going to attack. Satan is going to find ways to dig in. He's going to try and find that weak part of our armor. God, but in those moments, may we rely on you. God, I pray that as we go through this week, um, if it's not feeling like Christmas for some, it'll, you'll give them something to help it feel like Christmas. If it's snow they need, help it not to be a whole lot. God, we love you. I pray that you'll keep all of us safe. Help us enjoy the safety of our families, uh, the comfort of our families. Uh, God, I pray that if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, that this would, this, this would be the start of a week that coming back next week would change their lives, change their hearts, and change their minds. God, may we surrender more and more to you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.